Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Stay Curious, a podcast where we want to create diversity in thought without creating division in community. I am your co-host, Matt Fisher. I'm the care pastor here at Hill City, where we record this and every episode of the podcast. And I'm here with my co-host, lead pastor, teaching pastor, father, husband, athlete, (laughs) mathlete, (laughs) John Wagler. I actually was pretty good in math. Were you? Yeah. I was going to say, uh, what what were your strong suits in high school? You know, I... I topped out once I hit calculus. I was like, I'm out. I never got to calculus. I was always so bad at math. But I was like, I was straight A's in math up to that point. Yeah. And once I hit calculus, I'm like, nope. I think honestly, I think back on it now, um, because now I love watching like TED talks and YouTube videos and stuff on all all, on like things that I have a hard time with. Uh, And I I wonder if like maybe around ninth or tenth grade, if I had a math teacher that was just like. You know all the like crazy concepts in the comic books that you read, like multi- multi- multiverses and yeah. like uh, quantum physics and stuff. If you get good at this, you'll understand that better. I would have been like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll do yeah. math. I Ironically, reading comprehension was like what I did not enjoy. Interesting, and didn't really like do well at. Huh. Um, so like even on the SATs, I, I might be a little off on these numbers, but I think I was like a, it was like a six eighty or seven hundred yeah. on the math. Yeah. And then I was like 480 or something like that. Interesting. About 500 on the music 480 on the yeah. English part, reading comprehension part. I just, it, I didn't enjoy it. Yeah. And then I didn't realize essentially how important it was. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, cause like now I'm like, man, I really wish I would have worked at that <laughs> yeah. a little bit. Yeah. But, that was how yeah. I like, I hacked school was I was real. I had really high reading comprehension. Yeah. So it was like the people who are actually working hard to like read the scarlet letter or Lord of the flies or whatever, I right. would like skim through it and then make a good grade. Cause I was like, yeah, I get it. Yeah. I, I understand. No, it's like I was society. I think math made sense to me because you could do the problem on like as quickly as you could figure it out. Essentially. Yeah. So like I could just roll through Interesting. stuff. Yeah. Huh. That's fascinating. Would yeah. not have pegged you that way. Yeah. Shame on me. <laughs> um, all right. Well, we are here um, for another episode today. And this is, is this going to be our, no, this won't be our last episode before. I guess you've announced now that you're going on sabbatical so we can tell the podcast audience as well that you and your wife will be going on a little, a little sabbatical. I don't want to call it a vacation. That sounds too. Yeah. The first few weeks will be. Yeah. Um, First three weeks will be kind of full decompression. And then after that, it's kind of a time of restoration, rejuvenation. Um, Yeah. We have things that we're doing in there to kind of like tap into just a different element of kind of the presence of God. That's our mindset. That's and awesome. then, um, yeah. That's biblical, right? Every seven years. Isn't that in James or wherever they talk about pastors doing pastor things? No, there's nothing about a sabbatical okay. um, per se. Um, everything, it's like oriented differently. Oh, okay. Um, in scripture. But. Well, it's a good idea. Yeah. Um, so while you're gone, mm-hmm. um, we are going to be airing on Stay Curious some behind the paywall, paywall, the pay is like $20, <laughs> behind the wall, uh, discipleship content. Yeah. We did some really cool interviews with yep. some authors um, for our discipleship tracks, and we're going to be sort of airing those as Stay Curious while you're out of town. Yeah. Um, so this will be one of our last like new episodes 
episodes. Um, we'll probably, probably do, do one more. Do one more before yeah. you leave. Um, and then you guys will be getting some really cool interviews um, that we did for discipleship and also kind of with Stay Curious in mind. And I'm super excited about people hearing this. Um, but today we were kind of like hemming and hawing about what we were going to talk about. And, you know, the, the Roe v. Wade thing where um, I guess the dr- a draft of an overturn of Roe v. Wade was leaked. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now that's what everybody's talking about. And it just kind of felt disingenuous to ignore it completely. Sure. Um, so today we are going to talk about that in a way. Um, you know, we don't have any um, guests, which hopefully I sometimes feel guilt about that, but then sometimes I'm like, we don't have producers or any, like just you and me. <laughs> I know <laughs> it's not like, I don't, it's hard to line up guests and also both be pastors and fathers and everything else. Like we don't, if we had literally one other person air quotes working at the podcast, yes. I would be like, we should have more guests, but it's just doing the pod, do, doing the discipleship interviews. I was like, this is hard. <laughs> it's hard to get guests. So help with this. yeah, we don't have any, we don't have any legal experts. We don't have any, um, we don't even have any women in the room. So we're not going to like deign to get into the, like the weeds. Cause it's just you and I, Yeah. but I think what we want to talk about is less like the laws specifically and more about our perspectives on like, how do we interface with these big legal shifts or these big political mm-hmm. shifts? Um, and maybe maybe some good will come out of that conversation. We'll find out. We'll find out. If nothing not, else, we won't post it. You'll get forty five <laughs> minutes of content. <laughs> um, but before we do that, speaking of excellent, high quality content, um, we're going to do our new segment for two thousand and twenty two, in which we just get things off our chest that are bugging us, and it's called Stay, Stay Furious. All right, John. Mm. Anything making you furious? Yeah, actually, this happened the other day, and You're I was so just ready. like, I can't wait to talk about okay. this. <laughs> awesome. Um, Go ahead. I'm like midway through the day, and the t-shirt I was wearing, the tag on the inside, it was mm. on like the, my side, like your oblique, and it was just rubbing the whole day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Why the hell do we have tags and shirts still? <laughs> Like it was like made me so mad because like my skin was irritated and made me like so mad, so mad, so mad. And I was just like, but then you you're in this like conundrum because you're like, if you cut it, yeah, it can hypothetically make it sharper. Yeah, sure. Do you know what I mean? But if you let it flow, it just rubs your skin the whole day. I how do how are we still here in 2022? (laughs) I have noticed two things. First off, more premium t-shirt brands don't have tags. I know. Uh, and then the second thing is even like Gildan, um, t-shirts, they have ripoff tags now. Oh. Cause the worst is when you rip a tag off and it, and it like breaks the seam yeah. and then you have like a rip in your t-shirt. Yeah. That's yeah. I don't, yeah. yeah it seems like you put a man on the moon, you can figure out how to not put tags so, on t-shirts. So mad. And in, in, in fairness to the t-shirt, I, it, it's a little bit of an older t-shirt, yeah. you know, which you also would think the tag would wear, wear down at that point, but. Yeah, because I keep stuff like I keep T-shirts for a while and all that, but not. I'm this one's gone. Mm-hmm. I can't do it anymore. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, I am. I'm mad at myself. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I'm making me furious this week. I just like we had a rough a rough start to Monday this morning with the kids and and everything, and I know exactly what it was. It was that we didn't do the like the the nighttime. Uh, sort of like uh, I want to say ritual, but that makes it sound diabolic. Uh, the nighttime, like 
you know, the standard thing, you read a book, you take a bath, you know, like Sunday night, you have to do that stuff because Monday will be rough if you don't do the like Sunday night ritual. Sure. And I just didn't, you know, it was just, it was Mother's Day, so I didn't expect Jenny to do it. And we've been watching the show that we are super sucked into. And I was like, ugh, whatever. You guys just go read in your beds. I'll come pray with you in a couple of minutes. And I just let him go. I did go back and pray with him and tuck him in. But, like, we didn't – they basically were listening to audiobooks or, like, they were on their devices not doing videos or games but, like, on, like, a library app or whatever. But still devices. Yeah. Right until the time they fell asleep. And they fell asleep late. And not so this good. morning was – just a nightmare yeah. and it's a thousand percent my fault <laughs> <laughs> and i just like just do the thing that you're supposed i'm only literally only mad at myself uh in in those scenarios i would sometimes redirect anger toward either the kids sure. or jenny but in this case it was like no it was mother's was, day it was mother's day i'm absolutely <laughs> not gonna expect you to do anything um and kids you were actually being good you probably would have been fine with like again a bath and me reading Chronicles of Narnia or whatever right. to you until you went to bed. But I just, I beefed it. And, you know. When you read the Chronicles of Narnia, do you ever do the Chronicles? What? <laughs> yes. That's how we open <laughs> every reading. Open. Chapter six. Chronicles? So there's another Stay Furious that actually is, it actually goes into a pure joy that I have right okay. now. Hmm. It's Stay Furious on my kid's end. Okay. Um, so on the way to school today, <laughs> I didn't realize how joyful this is for me until like I was doing it. But on the way to school today, um, they're just, you know, it's four middle schoolers in the car and they were just, ra- their hormones were raging today. Like, no, it was like pin drop, like that yeah. kind of anger. Yeah. It was just like seething white hot anger yeah. when no one was talking. Yep. And um, for no reason, just because yeah. it's life. Got a case you know? of the Mondays, bro. Yeah. And um, so Ruby's in the car too on mm-hmm. the morning commute because I dropped her off last. And um, I, we started playing on Veggie Tales, This Little Light of Mine. <laughs> And she's singing it at the top of her lungs and I'm singing it with her. And it brought me so much joy because I know how much it was annoying the middle schoolers mm. and their curiosity. Ugh, it was well, so great. Though. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. You <laughs> love that. So truly, truly the fruits of not being an empath. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh. Um well, uh, there, there they are. The curiosities have been aired. The grievances have been aired um, around the Festivus poll. So we are going to now move on to the bulk of our content and talk about um, just kind of like our feelings and perspectives, not necessarily about the specifics of some recent laws and potential laws, but um, kind of just how we deal with the cultural chaos that surrounds it. Y'all know we stay curious over here. here, here. All right, so here we are again. (laughs) Again. (laughs) Again and again and again. Um, And we're all here and we're all in it together. Um, Hopefully. Well, we're all in it together (laughs) whether we hate each other or not. (laughs) Like that's kind of the thing. It's like you can either, you're stuck on this continent (laughs) at this point especially. Like nobody nobody is particularly in a hurry to receive anyone right now. Uh, And certainly... Anybody who's ever like traveled Europe or any other first world country and probably the last, maybe since World War II, but definitely since the last like 30 years knows the feeling of trying to pretend to be Canadian. Um, we're, we're, yeah, so we're all stuck on this gigantic piece of land together. <laughs> we can either get along or not. So I guess we've deal. chosen not. Yeah. <laughs> so we are all in this together, <laughs> um, whether we want to be or not. Um, you, you probably no surprise to anyone that 
was it last? It was while we were at Drive, so it would have been like last Tuesday yeah. as of the recording of this, about a yeah. week ago as of this recording. Um, there was a leak. I can't remember who did Was it Politico? I can't remember. Somebody I leaked. I think that's right. Yeah, leaked yeah. a drafted decision um, by the Supreme Court to overturn Roe v. Wade, um, which would effectively, I mean, it's a little more complicated, but would effectively put um, abortion... Uh, rights and laws into the hands of each individual state correct yeah so it would no longer federally protect um uh abortion so you know obviously this has been a trigger for this is (laughs) this is maybe the trigger i mean because it's super we talked about this on the show before you don't have to google very hard to find that like the roe v wade thing is also tied into the race conversation and some of the like integrate school integration stuff and segregation stuff it's like i don't know it it might be fair to say this is the trigger it's interesting yeah as far as like just getting everybody popping off it does it gets yeah so quickly it gets people like um rushing to either judgment or rushing to an emotion or rushing to like say something you know um because it does it touches on so many different things because there's there's so many factors that played into it from the history. If you go all the way back to Sanger, Margaret Sanger, you know, like going all the way back to there to Mm. um, some of the like ways that it impacts, you know, people in different ways, like in different and in the level of impact is different at each uh, income area Mm -hmm. too, you know? So it just, it, it's an interesting topic to talk about yet all polling shows people don't actually care. Interesting about when when they vote. I don't, I don't want to say you know everyone or right. anything, but like even um, here in Virginia, they did a huge polling, and abortion ranked seventh hmm. on Republicans' hmm. like point of interest. It, it didn't even. It was like like I don't remember the other six that were before it, but hmm. like there were so many things before it, and abortion wasn't even registering. And on the on the Democratic side, it's not even existent. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it's like an interesting thing that all of a sudden people get so worked up. But like when it comes to voting, it doesn't register as a major issue. Some people will say, no, I'm voting for all pro-life candidates. Mm -hmm. But it's like, but even those candidates don't even necessarily do any. It's not a thing. Yeah. It's it's, so it's it's fascinating. Yeah, I think it's it really, I think, probably plays into our deep seated almost evolutionary like um emotional trigger of women and children like you think about like oh save the women and children or or like in particular times of brutality in history the line is don't even spare the women and children Mm -hmm. there's something about women and children and so like um the sort of children aspect of it and also you know for people who are i guess anti-abortion or consider themselves to be anti-abortion there's the children aspect of it and then the people who consider themselves to be i don't know a ton of people who consider themselves to be super psyched on abortion but like pro-choice um it's like well what about the women and so it's like women and children women this is something that you can't deprogram um that sort of like visceral reaction in a couple of generations like that goes back to cavemen (laughs) you know like us as pre-human protecting the women and the children um and that's not just men that's like everybody like you just you rally you circle the wagons to and put the women and the children in the middle um there's something about that that seems to have this primordial trigger in in people um on both sides because Mm -hmm. on the one it's women and on the other it's the children not that's an oversimplification but that's the emotional 
trigger. Uh, yeah, and I think it's also you brought up a good point. There was a huge study done by University of Notre Dame that um, I read the outcome of the study. It was pretty like there was a lot to it, um, but part of the gist of the study, honestly, is is there are very few people that consider abortion a moral good. Right. Like, yeah. Like you have to get, if someone can, like the people that are like celebrate your abortion, mm-hmm. those kinds of folks, mm-hmm. they're the extremists. Yeah, they're extreme minority. For you know, sure. and like they're extreme on all their opinions around this. They're, ex- they're extreme on their morality, right. essentially around life, you know, everything. And, but overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly like people don't think abortions a moral good yeah. they don't even think it's good for like people yeah. or good to have it even as an option mm-hmm. you know so it's like an interesting discussion like people get so mad at one another mm-hmm. in the midst of things that um and it's so divisive yet when you really talk to people um and i've talked to a bunch of people who are pro-choice but i would disagree with them on you know mm-hmm. like what it should be like but like I've yet, never talked to anyone who's like, no, it's it's good. Yeah. And I think even <laughs> the very small minority, like extremism is usually reactionary. So even the very small minority of people who, you know, would quote unquote celebrate an abortion or, or not think anything of it, it's usually a reaction to like, I feel like you all have an extreme. So now I need to like lean into my extreme. Like I, I think that before this was even a conversation when or in areas where abortion has always been legal, there's there's no one celebrating an abortion because they don't feel like they have to react to the other extreme. Like extremes are always just people reacting to one another. Like, sure. It's the whole, I, I mean, I have always seen this in like, you know, fringe culture, especially like far left culture that I've existed in. It's usually like reactionary. It's the whole like, you don't love Satan. You don't even believe in Satan, but you, you're mad at your mom for making you go to church. So you're like, ah, hell, Satan. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, yeah. if she hadn't made you go to church, you wouldn't even think twice about it. You know, sure. it's like a whole reactionary thing. And that's where the sort of momentum, the pong kind of builds up um, of the bouncing back and forth, the ball going faster and faster. Mm-hmm. I think that, um, it, you know, we have talked a lot about. Here's a thought that I've had, and maybe I'll just get your reaction to this thought. Because I started thinking this, um, or started forming this thought back when, sort of the last round. Uh, I'm trying to trying to come up with a timeline for the last couple of months. There was the Texas um, trans bill uh, about uh, report. I guess it was like reporting parents who were seeking, um, like. Uh, transition for their children or for families who were seeking to transition children um, or, or people under the age of 18 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and that you could like report the parents mm-hmm. for child abuse. There was that. And then I think there was like the DeSantis um, Disney battle started happening in Florida over LGBTQ stuff. And and now like this is an, the new thing. They're all s- sort of related and sort of not. Right. Except for that, they're just all hot. <laughs> they're all hot. Hot sure, about it. Yeah. So I was thinking about it, the Texas thing, like, it seems to me, and this is especially, I think, true of Roe v. Wade um, and that whole conversation, is that something we don't talk a lot about or that I don't hear a lot about is that there's the letter of the law, there's the spirit of the law, and then there's the context of the law. And what I mean by that is, like, when I read the Texas bill, which is super short, and like pretty easy to read. Uh, when I read that, I was like, 
my rational brain doesn't totally disagree with this. Um, like if somebody were to ask my opinion, I would say I actually don't totally disagree with a lot of what's in this actual law. Mm -hmm. So then why am I still feeling some kind of way about it, right? Well, it's because the spirit of the law because of and the context of the law because of where it is, what we know is going on there is not good. I mean, it, it is attack oriented. It is not it kind of, a thought I had was like, if this law was written by a trans adult who is just like, I'm glad that I got that I was 25 when I started my transition right. and I'm glad nobody let me transit. You know, this is a this is a thought experiment. But if a trans adult in California had written the exact same thing on a piece of paper and passed it into law, not everyone would be happy, but it would not feel like an attack. It would feel like, hey, we sat down and looked at it. And this is this is what this is the thing. Does that yeah. make sense? So it's yeah. like not actually the letter of the law in that case. It's the spirit and the context. They're just Texas just being a very aggro political area, mm -hmm. um, and and also the spirit of the law, which is we're we're not drafting this in the middle of a time in which we're seeking to make kids' lives better. We're drafting this in a time in which we're all fighting about this, mm -hmm. <laughs> and we're trying and everyone's trying to win. Does that make sense? Yes. Same thing with this. Regardless, like you said, of how you feel about the letter of the law, like, yeah, states' rights are good. Like, I think, actually, yeah, small government's good. Like, let's give the states the chance to to do this. Um, let's, the let maybe the letter of the law is not so bad. Like, I, I would love for states to have, maybe we would love for states to have more autonomy mm -hmm. and whatever, whatever, whatever. The letter of the law may not be that bad, or, mm -hmm. the, or the repealing of this law may not be that bad. The spirit of the law... Uh, maybe also questionable like hey maybe the supreme court is just putting on their rational brain hats and even though you know there's the whole fight of like republicans are installing conservative court justices and blah, 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 blah. i don't know maybe the spirit of the law is even a little questionable maybe it's not an attack on women the context of the law as you and i have agreed upon terrible because we haven't fixed health care we haven't fixed childcare. <laughs> we haven't. We haven't done all of the things that have been proven in other countries to actually reduce abortion rates. Right. We're just trying to put the cart before the horse. Yeah. So the context is bad, and so here we are. Does that make sense? Yes. I yes. I think you know. Um, I'm trying to think of how to fully respond. I I think that there are several factors that go into people's reactions to the laws, and I think you're. I think you're right in in terms of like there have been times things have been said around some of these laws that I'm like, you know, it actually does make a lot of sense. But the problem is, is, and I'll just say it from a Christian standpoint, mm -hmm. not from general public, yeah. but from a faith standpoint, like we should deeply care about laws of common good for people, mm. you know? And we, what I, what I see happening with a lot of Christians is we don't care about the common good, mm -hmm. you know, as much as we say that we do, because the common good might force us to break from a camp that we've kind of married ourselves to. Mm, that's good. And so when you think of something and this, and this, honestly, this isn't just conservative folks. Like it's, it's people that would consider themselves, you know, I voted Democrat, whatever. Yeah. Like I see this a lot in Christians. It's like, we don't appreciate um, the fullness of a common good of something. So, so for instance, you know, when overwhelmingly people in our country would say that abortion is not a common good and it's not a moral good. And, uh, and, you know, even like women, all polling still shows women, most women are still anti-abortion mm -hmm. like in our country. So, so it's like, we have all these things in front of us, but 
to take a step back to your point and be like, why aren't we holistically looking at the common good element of saying like, all right, yes, we, we agree that it's not a moral good, okay? But like, let's all band together and make sure every pregnancy resource center is fully funded. Mm-hmm. You know, let's make sure oh, stuff around childcare, around child poverty, around um, single moms, you know, th- things that um, sex education, like all, there's so many different things that factor into abortion rates. Um, and, and we don't have any candidates that actually run on any of those things, mm-hmm. you know, on either side. They, they just, they pop off because they know that what they can do is get people enraged on a certain level. Like even when some people are like, oh, what's going to come down next? Like, yeah. we're not going to be able to interracial marriages right. again. I'm like, that's not even, like, even in the leaked document, he even like brings it up. He's not yeah. talking about that. It's like the, we immediately go to this rage factor and emotion mm-hmm. factor. And the truth is, is when we begin to take a step back um, and this is, I don't, you know, you know, I just preached on rest this mm-hmm. past Sunday and some of this I think applies to what we're seeing and what we're, it's like, man, when we don't have time to like breathe Mm-mm. and rest and pray and be, it's like, we start like removing ourselves from the reality of, uh, being able to have a good kind of kingdom minded and kingdom vision for our lives. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's part of what's going on a lot of the time is the frenetic pace at which our ideas and our passions like move is not sustainable. It's like revving an an engine without changing gears as fast and as hard as you can all the time. Like I even had a thing where I was like, when the Roe v. Wade thing, you know, started happening um, just recently, I was, my automatic thought was like, well, what do I need to post? Like, what do I need to do? What, you know, what can I do? What, what can I post? And I was like, do I need to post anything? Like, what, what do yeah. I need to, why do I think I need to post anything? And then, you know, my thought process was, well, I know that like posting doesn't change anyone's mind, but I don't want anyone to like think that my silence equals like consent. You know, I don't want anybody to think that like I'm totally cool with how this is going down and what's going down. And I just kind of like, because I, I make space for myself to do this in, in the mornings. Like I just pulled at the thread. I was like, okay, so now what, what am I afraid of? What am I ashamed of? What am I, you know, and this is just me personally, but, and what I kind of came to was I was like, if you know me in real life, you know where I'm at with this. And if you don't, you can ask me, like no one asked my opinion and I'm a guy. <laughs> like, I'm just like, like nobody yeah. asked my opinion. Um, and, and then I thought, well, you know, what if so-and-so – I had a couple of people in my head who I, I wonder what they're thinking right now or I wonder if they notice that I haven't posted anything. And then and they do know me in real life. And I'm just like, if you have friends or people in your life who because you don't post for or against a thing assume they know what you think, they're probably not very good friends. Right. <laughs> you know, like they no, don't – No, it's so true. Like uh, – and and even now it's – you know, it's it's – tempting for me and probably for you to like get on our tiny little platform that we've made here and say this is exactly what I think about it but like no one asked us (laughs) like you know like if somebody emails in and wants to know and I know that that probably happens to you more as like the speaker on Sundays of like well I want to know exactly what you think on this or I want to know your stance I don't get it as a care pastor nobody really cares they just want to know if I can help talk about their right you know trauma or whatever yeah um but I was just like no one's asked me. And so like, I don't, <laughs> what, is it important that I, 
Richard Rohr has this great thing where he said, I think it's Richard Rohr, or it might be Jim Finley, where he says, like, an opinion is just an idea that your ego has wrapped itself around. And I have been thinking about that a lot of just like, what, whether I'm for it or against it, or whether I'm whatever, whether I think life begins at conception or at first breath or whatever, like, no one asked me. Yeah. But I think we all, to your point, are compelled by this this phantom argument that you're having with yourself or with what you think someone thinks about you. Yeah. And so we pop off because we need people to know that whatever. Um, I, one, one slogan that I can remember from, you know, being involved in activism, not just in 2020, but like back to when I was a teenager is like this idea of silence is violence, right? Silence equals violence. And I've always thought about that because I'm not sure that I totally like, there are some slogans where I like it gets my blood up. I'm yeah, like, yeah. I, I, yeah, like yeah. I'll chant that, and I was like, "Is silence violence?" Because I obviously value silence, sure. <laughs> stillness, and silence. Yeah. And I think what I kind of came up with was like, yeah, maybe in some scenarios, silence is violence, but posting online is not talking. Yeah. So like, yeah, maybe you're at you're at the dinner table, and it's it is it is you are complicit by not saying, "Hey." uncle so-and-so or, or mom or you know i don't see it that way or like have you ever thought about this yeah but like yeah. your online self is not a voice it's not not as much of a voice as you think it is yeah and even i know i totally agree because like i went through that whole thing of like should i post something around this and then i was like um, i don't want to yeah you know and um and then i did have several f- people have like asked me like my opinion on it and um and if we're going to talk about it on the podcast and stuff like that but i you know when I was looking at social media, once everything happened and from folks that I knew uh, and seeing them post things, I was just like, man, it's just so much of what's being posted is so short sighted. Mm. What you like, you've, you fall into like, obviously the, the teams would be pro-life or pro-choice mm. in this scenario. Yeah. Right. And you fall into whatever team is. And it's like, yeah, but do you like uh, some people, I was like, man, do you realize what you're actually like when you buy into that team, what you're also like putting yourself with. So mm. for instance, like, on the more pro-life side. Like there are some bills that have been put out there in Louisiana and Mississippi that are truly like horrendous bills. Like mm-hmm. I, this guy, um, David French and the dispatch podcast, they were going through a bunch of like the abortion bills that have been put up on more conservative States and they're like atrocious. They're not well thought out They're mm-hmm. Um, they can be harmful to women. Like it's, it's really bad, honestly. And, but like you're technically in that camp if, yeah. if you're, you're, if you're chanting, you know, pro-life stuff. Yeah. Right. And, um, and now I would technically be in the pro-life team. I, I just don't want to like hop in on that. Like, yeah. you know, um, but on the pro-choice side, it's like, I see people like going, Oh, women's choice and all this other stuff. And I'm like, okay, but do you realize that like, for instance, like Chuck Schumer went out there leading the, the, um, you know, a bunch of Democrats out there to be like, Hey, they want to have no restriction at all on abortions, like through birth. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, do you realize what you're putting yourself like by just like jumping in and like posting a simple thing about pro-choice or, you know, I'm like, you're like hopping in with, with like truly like an immoral stance Mm -hmm. as a Christian, like you're a truly, or as a person, (laughs) an immoral stance. And, and so I think some of this stuff that that's part of why I know we wanted to wait even like a week or so before we even like said anything was just. I think as Christians, we got to like really breathe for a second with some of this stuff. And first of all, nothing has happened. So if you're like ranting and raving about stuff because you think you something was won, nothing's been won yet, yeah. you know? 
Um, nothing's been established, but I think it's important to to just really take a step back and start thinking about things holistically. Like even, and I'd, I'd be interested to hear just like your perspective on this part. I people use scripture for justice issues all the time, mm-hmm. you know, which we should. Like there, that is at the heart of God. And one of the things that I'm always just like interested in is um, when it comes to this issue around life and um and you know the difference between a lot of the laws people are talking about with like interracial marriage and stuff Mm -hmm. like that it's like those are two consenting adults Mm -hmm. those are two you know two lives are kind of happening even gay marriage you know it's like Mm -hmm. two consenting adults right Mm -hmm. and so abortion is like a very different thing and and so when we start talking about justice issues and people bring the bible into it which again we always do and, and we should i do find it interesting that around this issue scripture isn't Mm. typically like brought up Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean like it's Mm. not it that's typically not the focus point you know and i've always just been curious as to why yeah that is interesting i haven't really thought about that much i think that um i'm trying to think of like scripture that i i mean it's definitely the primary one on the pro-life side would be like he knit you together and your mother's womb counted the hairs of your head um i think that and it doesn't get used very often, the the sort of more pro-choice, the compelling pro-choice scriptural defense that I've seen has been about, like, Old Testament concepts of, like, when does life start? And it's a lot about breath, like your your spirit, you know, it's all tied in with the Ruach, and, like, your God's spirit is literally, like, your ability to breathe, and, mm-hmm. like, that's when your, your human life starts or whatever. But, yeah, I don't know. I even kind of wonder I, <laughs> here's my guess this is like <laughs> no data <laughs> off the top of my head gut instinct i don't think that on either side of this debate it's ever really been about our faith for anybody and i in a way that really quick before you yeah. respond i think why in the race issue you see scripture thrown around a lot is because that conversation no matter how far it's gotten away is rooted in faith like sure. it's rooted in in yeah. like Harriet Tubman had deep faith, yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. uh, Martin Luther King had deep faith. All of the names that I'm forgetting, uh, you know, mm-hmm. we're all people of like deep faith, and and I mean even like Quakers, like the people that were smuggling slaves, the white people that were smuggling slaves were doing it out of a deep sense of faith and like biblical understanding. And, and on the flip side, people who were um, trying to keep things the same were maybe it wasn't a deep faith but it was it had something to do with like with the misusing biblical scripture to try to maintain control but it's like the bible for the race thing has always been a part of the the conversation mm-hmm. so it gets used and misused when i don't i don't know that this debate has always at least at the the higher levels higher levels meaning the most vocal levels of the leadership I don't know that they've been using the Bible a ton since the beginning. So it's just not in our habit to throw scripture around in this. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. I I just been thinking about that piece a lot because, you know, if you go look at church history for the first few hundred years, um, they were like radically Mm pro-life, you know, like, and now we would term some of it in terms of like adoption, foster care for one, um, but two, um, they would like literally like go to people that didn't want babies and be like, we'll take your baby, yeah. you know, kind of well, we'll yeah. love your baby. Yeah. <laughs> take it. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, 
So like that was a radical component yeah. to early Christianity. And so I agree with you that there's some Jewish thought, mm-hmm. you know, though Ju- Judaism is, is pretty split, mm-hmm. you know, it's about 50, 50, um, where some people would believe it's like when baby's born mm-hmm. basically. Um, but the, um, you've seen like the trend with Judaism is actually that percentage is getting smaller because of science mm-hmm. and they start viewing life differently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, it's just like an interesting part of like the conversation around scripture. And, uh, I think, uh, what I see on the pro-life side, sometimes the scri- scripture can be thrown around in terms of life and mm-hmm. the dignity of life and the value of life. And, and that's great. I agree with it. Um, but where I think it often falls short, um, and I would put this on, uh, you know, like the, the political side would be like people think, oh, just because someone said they were pro-life, mm-hmm. you know, it, they think they can just vote for them, but those people aren't necessarily actually for life. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like that. And so the, so I think with some of this conversation with our faith and around this topic often falls short because we don't approach it holistically and we don't approach it um, looking at different angles and we don't actually approach it with trying to figure out what does it actually mean to live out our faith that would actually solve and eliminate so much of this rather than relying on a law or a particular decision and a divisive one. And so even, you know, to your point about, you know, bringing people's faith into this, like it is interesting um, to just see like, I, I actually think part of why we don't talk about this issue with scripture so much is our general disregard for one another's life. Yeah. Like just, I'm talking like, I'm talking like adult to adult even like we disregard people's lives. And, and so we just then remove the idea of biblical precedence and like historical tradition uh, around life and love of one another. And so it's hard to even engage this topic when we don't do it on anything else like we should. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even as we're having this conversation, um, uh, Senator Cotton from Arkansas, I think it's Arkansas, uh, got got a vote to reallocate like $8 billion from green initiatives into defense, like weapons development. <laughs> it's right. just like, that's, you know, not pro-life. <laughs> like, it's just <laughs> like, no, like, we're all, we're not going to be having this debate when we have to build boats to live on because like we... <laughs> the whole earth is dead. <laughs> like, I don't, scorched um, earth. yeah, scorched earth. You know, it's like the, the prison system. We can go on and on. This yeah. is a, definitely, I have noticed, so I don't want to belabor it, that there is a bell being rung right now, which I think is good about like, are you really pro-life? From pro-life, like from anti-abortion, I guess more moderates, you would say, or like biblical, you know, guys like Shane Claiborne yeah. or like, you know, yeah. are saying like, okay, well, I also don't want abortion to be legal, but... Yeah. Are we talking about, um, yeah, stuff like war and immigration and like women's health care yeah. and like child care? Like most other first world countries, women get like a year off when they have a baby and then go yeah. back to their jobs. You know, there's so many things like that. Like if if you were talking to a Republican, so it's funny, like I I. I don't really ever talk to the people that go through the neighborhoods, yeah. like knocking your door. But one day I was edging my lawn and um this person comes up to me and they were for the republican candidate in our area and so i was like i'll play yeah and so um so i started so they're like uh tell me about your pro-life stance 
And, um, and so like, well, we believe, you know, mm-hmm. life happens at conception, da, da, da. And I was like, all right, tell me about what you're going to do for single moms. Mm-hmm. It was crickets. Yeah. Tell me what you're going to do. Um, why, how are you going to fully fund every pregnancy center? Like fully fund it. Right. Uh, crickets. Yeah. You know, how are you going to, uh, help, um, with childcare issues, you know, because that is a major thing when it comes to this. crickets, yeah. you know, and I'm like, so I said to them, I was like, why would I vote for you if you actually don't not what it was a advocate for the mm-hmm. person but i'm like why would i vote for that person if they actually don't want to do anything other than just put a statement up that they're pro-life yeah you know so and the flip side and that's why I, like i i like challenge those that would like kind of champion the pro-choice because mm-hmm. i'm like where are you standing like on like biblical grounds like you know mm-hmm. from that standpoint are you like marrying yourself to a a, a different kind of line of thinking that actually doesn't value life, mm-hmm. you know, and, and solve some of these issues either. So I think it would behoove us all mm-hmm. <laughs> to just like breathe for a second and like really start. Cause I think there are more commonalities with people than they, they actually fully realize, yeah. you know, boy, this will be a whole nother podcast, but <laughs> I've been reading about this thing called the Frankfurt school, which is like a school of philosophy. Yeah, yeah. A school of philosophy that basically came out of, the atrocities of World War II and tried to answer some some questions about like Marx, Marxism and socialism and, and capitalism and, and the East and the West and all of this stuff. And very, very active in the 60s. It was a guy, three guys in particular that I've really enjoyed um, and I think have a lot to say about this are um, Herbert Marcuse is one of the guys, uh, Horkheimer and Adorno or these other two. Um, if you're super nerdy and you want to like Wikipedia, these guys. Um, but one of the things that Horkheimer and Adorna talk about is the fact that the United States, especially post-World War II, but I think current is super true right now, um, is a totalitarian government. Meaning totalitarian is not dictatorship. Totalitarian is there's one party. I think that the reason that we can't get it just keeps getting worse and worse. Honestly, if I had to pick like a magic bullet, it's that we are a totalitarian government that masquerades as two different colors. <laughs> like, because as you said, you're like, okay, cool. So you're voting for the democratic person and they're going to um, like shore up this one part of women's healthcare. Because again, a pro-life person would consider this not an abortion clinic, but like a women's healthcare provider. Okay, cool. And then what, you know, what else, what else, what else, what else? Well, it's all just money. And then the Republican, as you said, with your guy in your front yard, like, okay, well, what are we doing about this other stuff? It does because they don't actually. It's 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 the Scooby Doo meme of like <laughs> you tear off the mask and it's like the same guy underneath. <laughs> like w- w- again, the, these guys who are a lot smarter than me are basically saying when you live in a two party system where no other party is remotely viable, you live in a totalitarian government. But what it looks like for America is control is maintained by arguing that like we just argue with each other like control is maintained through civil war rather than through the government intervening but you know in a dictatorship where like the national guard comes in and like takes Mm -hmm. over your town it's actually control is maintained by keeping everyone arguing so that you know that either blue or red will be president does that make sense it's it sounds the way that i'm describing it sounds conspiratorial but if you read these these guys talking about it it's like okay (laughs) that kind of makes more this is not reptile people we're talking about this is like seems pretty legit yeah um and i honestly that's what i'm starting to think is just like if we want all of this stuff i mean jesus is gonna have to come back for everything to get better but stuff like 
stuff that seems boring that you don't want to talk about is probably what's going to help. Rank choice voting, viable third and fourth party options, like getting out of this cycle of totalitarian control that has everything to do with like two parties. Basically, the this the table is two parties, media, and then special interest groups. Yeah, I would. You know, I would, I don't know much at all about the Frankfurt School. I mean, I've heard a little bit about it, but I don't know like to have any kind of informed opinion. Um, I think I don't. It's like fascinating. I think what's happened in my brain over the last few years, mm-hmm. um, and maybe more my heart. I am. Some people are gonna get so mad if I say this, but. I am just moving more and more <laughs> towards this. Like, I just wonder if all Christians should just, just simply just care about Jesus and move on. <laughs> anarchist. <laughs> Christian, am, I, am I Christian anarchist? You are like, Christian in the anarchist. Like, yeah, Lisa yeah. and I have talked about this before. I, I know that th- that's a complex. I know what I just said is yeah. complex and everything. And, um, but there's some truth to what you're saying, you know, about, uh, even like you think, I, I do think it's gotten worse, like in my lifetime around this, because there always used to be people that could balance, like even though people freaked out about Bill Clinton back in the day, if you, if you go back and kind of look at things, like people were bouncing things back and forth, like he would be considered very moderate, you know, and everything. And that was more prototypical around most things, not all things, but there were obviously big issues in our country for a long time. Um, I don't know. Like I, I'm getting exhausted truly by, um, by some of the political talk because, um, now I'm, I'm actually a fan of, you know, ranked voting, ranked voting and everything. And, um, but I'm getting exhausted by some of it because I'm like, you know, at the end of the day, what I'm watching Christians do online is has very little to do with Christ. You know, when it comes down to some of these conversations, it's like, just very little, you know, yeah. and like that part is because even like it's becoming like I'm becoming exhausted by it. Yeah. I mean, which for me raises the question of when you're looking at online, like how much of your Christian life can really be lived out <laughs> online at all? Yeah. Like, sure. Probably, no, probably I, the indicator of a spiritual maturity is just being online less, <laughs> not what you're posting. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I even wonder that about people who I really like. Mm-hmm. Like a Shane Claiborne or like Beth Moore, who always has awesome things to say sure. online. Yeah. But even then, I'm like, I kind of just wish you were online less. Yeah. Because <laughs> I wish I was online less. Yeah. Like, so much of it is this is this um, illusion that what we post will somehow really change things. But I think even like again, if you read the the men and women who started the Center for Action and Contemplation, so Richard Rohr and his his crew, they it started a long time ago. They went and um, they actually went and uh, ministered to the Sandinistas, who that was like a fully armed revolution, and ministered to the Sandinistas. And one of the things that he learned was like, if you try to change the world before you change yourself, it'll always it's always going to go wrong. And like, again, on a micro level, I saw this. I think we all did if we're honest with ourselves. If you were sort of street level in 2020, like it didn't take long. There were a couple of successful marches and then everyone started turning on one another Mm -hmm. because you can't, you cannot really affect change in the world until you've affected change in yourself. So avoiding processing your stuff, avoiding growing emotionally and spiritually and just going to a protest, posting something online or whatever 
it's always going to be short-term gains and mm. never it's never gonna like the people that we revere as long-term leaders at your gandhis and your martin luther kings and like your even your malcolm x's like malcolm x you know i disagreed with tactics whatever whatever but like the guy had a spiritual life mm -hmm. that he was very vocal about like these people that we consider to be long-term change people they had a heart thing like you know they worked on themselves first Thich Nhat Hanh is another good one um and so I think that's ultimately no matter what the thing is again we're not just going to get into like the nitty-gritty of something like abortion without women here from different sides that's sure. not that's not our place yeah but just the whole societal thing if you don't change yourself if you if you go out to change the world without first like revolutionizing yourself it's going to be violent and short term yeah i just yeah i mean ultimately i think that's the last thing i'll say on it because you know i think we can just talk about different <laughs> angles of this for a long time but i just my encouragement for those that are Christians is to actually be one, you know, like, and I think too often we are trying to be something else online or be, you know, to kind of prove a point or feel good about something or feel significant because we did one little thing or because we went to a protest or because we, you know, whatever. I think the reality and the challenge for all believers right now in the midst of what is an inc incredibly tense topic, one, but also just like our general culture is not favorable towards Christianity. And, and so I do think it's important. I, I wish just we as Christians would take a breath and take a step back from all this stuff and, and really start digging into your point of being like, Hey, what's really going on inside of me? How am I, how am I actually following Jesus and how am I not, you know, start like really doing this inventory and then stepping in and being like, how can I impact change around this? Not just throw up a meme about what abortion really is or what, you know, what pro-life really, whatever, mm -hmm. you know. And I think it's important to do that. I just don't think we do that enough as believers. Yeah, I would agree. Well, thanks, everyone, for joining us. If you want to know what we think specifically about a thing, you can email and ask <laughs> at staycurious at hillcityrva.com. Um, if you have questions questions quips comments or quotes you can also hit us up there or send us a dm on instagram um please rate and review this episode and share it so other people can get in on the conversation and until next time remember as always to stay curious, curious.